This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Saturday, April 25th, 2020. On this day in 2005, the last piece of the stolen obelisk of Aksum was returned to Ethiopia after spending 68 years in Rome, Italy. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're covering the return of the obelisk of Aksum to Ethiopia. The elaborate burial stone was first erected in the 4th century CE, but during Italy's invasion of Ethiopia in 1937, it was taken as spoils of war. Years later, the Italians were finally forced to atone for the crimes of their ancestors. Let's go back to that morning, April 25th, 2005, in Rome. The Antonov AN-124 Ruslan slowly rolled down the airport runway. The pilot radioed into the tower for clearance. There was no reason for him not to take off soon. It was early morning and the air traffic was light. Either way, he had important cargo in the back so they would get priority takeoff. As the large plane taxied into position, the pilot thought about his precious freight. It was costing the Italian government nearly $8 million to return the stolen stone, and he didn't want anything to go wrong. He knew how precious the obelisk was to the Ethiopian people. And he could imagine the scandal if Italy's attempt to return the pilfered landmark resulted in its destruction. That crime could very well lead to war. The pilot trusted that the team who loaded it had done their job well. This was going to be their third flight, but each takeoff was just as nerve-wracking. It was some of the heaviest cargo he had ever flown, but he knew this was, in fact, the reason they were contracted. No other plane would be able to transport this relic. The 124 was one of the largest military cargo planes ever built. Even then, it could only hold one piece of the large stone obelisk at a time. Each one of the three stone pieces weighed over 50 tons, and it made the flights incredibly difficult. The 124 was given the go-ahead to take off. It was still dark in Rome. This was by design. Their destination wasn't used to handling a plane this large, and a plane this large wasn't designed to land at an elevation of nearly 7,000 feet. The pilot knew that once they took off, there was no safety net. Either they were going to land in Ethiopia safely, or they were going to skid off the runway, and the results of that might be disastrous. 
Not only might he die, but the piece of the obelisk might be destroyed. And if that happened, the mistakes of the past would never be made right. The pilot pressed forward on the throttle, the large aircraft rumbled to life, and they accelerated forward. Faster and faster, the plane was picking up speed. As the end of the runway approached, the pilot pulled back on the yoke, and they were airborne. The pilot eased up on the throttle as the plane reached cruising altitude. They were now in the easiest part of their flight. In just a few short hours, they would be making their final approach, and in doing so, helping to close a wound that the Italians had opened up decades ago. As the sun began to rise over the horizon, the pilot glimpsed the dusty landscape below, and then Oxum Airport. This was by far the worst part. The runway at the airport in Oxum had to be extended just for the 124 to be able to stop in time. And if it was over 60 degrees outside, the plane would have difficulty landing, hence the early landing. From the ground readings they had, it looked like they would be fine. As the sun peeked over the horizon, the pilot began their descent. It was always a little bumpy in the thin air. The plane gently bounced up and down as the runway in Oxum grew bigger by the minute. The pilot sighed and then took a deep breath. They only got one shot at the landing, but every instrument looked fine as the landing gear was deployed. The ground grew larger with each second, the touchdown only a moment away. The plane gave a small lurch as the back wheels first made contact with the ground. As the nose touched down, the pilot throttled down and hit the brakes. They came to a stop, plenty of room to spare. They could see a large crowd had gathered in the early sunlight to welcome home the last piece of the obelisk. The pilot taxied over and shut off the engines. The cargo bay was opened and the freight was carefully loaded off. It touched Ethiopian soil for the first time in nearly 70 years. It was back where it belonged. Up next, we'll explore the history of the obelisk and where it stands today. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. On April 25, 2005, the obelisk of Aksum was finally returned to Ethiopia after having spent the last 68 years in Rome. The large obelisk was first built in the 4th century CE as a way to honor a fallen ruler of the kingdom of Aksum. 
The obelisk itself acted as a large marker, or perhaps a tombstone, and was nearly 80 feet tall. It was decorated with two fake doors at the base and fake window carvings going all the way up to the top. It was a gorgeous sign of the early empire's wealth and ingenuity. And as time marched on and the empire fell, the monument remained, a symbol for what once was. It remained upright for centuries, but like most great things, it too eventually came down when the soil around it grew weak, a reminder of how fragile our time on this earth can be. The obelisk lay on the ground for hundreds of years before it was seized by the Italian army in 1937. It was easy for the army to steal the obelisk, since they'd occupied Ethiopia following the Second Italo-Ethiopian War. Fascist dictator Benito Mussolini requested that the army take the obelisk with them back to Italy as a spoil of war. He wanted to leave a reminder to the Ethiopian people that his empire was now in control. He hijacked a piece of their heritage to impose his own cultural dominance. The Italians slowly trucked pieces of the obelisk along their newly constructed roads through Ethiopia. It was an arduous process, taking several trips over two months to get all the pieces to the coastal country of Eritrea. From there, they were then shipped back to Rome. In Rome, the obelisk was reassembled by placing steel beams in the center to keep it upright. It was a marvelous feat of engineering, a prized treasure of the fascist government. It stood as a symbol to their perceived power when it was placed outside of the ruins of the Circus Maximus. But just as the obelisk demonstrated before, nothing can last forever. And soon, the fascist government of Italy was defeated. In 1947, the UN declared that the obelisk should be given back to the people of Ethiopia. It belonged to them, and Italy, as a nation, needed to pay for their crime. Yet it stood in the center of Rome for another 60 years. There was always a problem with returning the obelisk. For one, the logistics were incredibly complex. On top of that, the various governments in Ethiopia were often fragile and didn't have the resources necessary to facilitate the obelisk's return. This all changed in 2003, when the Italian government officially took their first steps in returning the large monument. But it wouldn't be an easy job. Since the steel beams had been added to the center of the structure, it was nearly impossible to take down in one piece. The government decided that it would be easiest to break the structure into three different pieces to be moved. However, even these pieces were incredibly heavy, at over 50 tons each. Getting the monument back by land was out of the question. Roads had been torn up in the past 60 years and were not suitable. Shipping the stones by sea was also a dead end because relations between Ethiopia and its coastal neighbor, Eritrea, had broken down. The only way to get the pieces back was by air. 
when the third and final piece finally arrived back in Oxum on April 25, 2005, it ended a nearly 60-year saga. Within three years, the pieces of the monument were put back together in the place where they'd once stood hundreds of years before. It was a huge cultural moment for the people of Ethiopia. They could fully celebrate their incredible history. Today, the obelisk sits on a World Heritage Site, open for people all over the world to view. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more crimes committed by fascist dictator Benito Mussolini, check out the ParCast original, Dictators. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Robert Tyler Walker, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson.